Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And And you're you're about about to to get get jumped. jumped. Welcome to episode 97 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch it. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Hunter x Hunter episodes 93 through 97, where the pain you feel is a burning sun, getting rid of your fear is as easy as stabbing yourself in the forehead, and a 22-year-old goes on a date with a 12-year-old. Yeah, this is a totally normal thing to happen in uh, now everyday life where a 22 year old will go out with a 12 year old um, that's not true you shouldn't do that um, unless you are uh, don't do that <laughs> yeah there's no unless <laughs> there's no unless just don't do that let's jump in I just watched uh, What We Do in the Shadows, and there's, like, those two vampires that were turned when they were 12 or something, so, like, perpetually 12, and they lure pedophiles and stuff, and (laughs) that's the only excuse. That's the only excuse. Yeah. So, uh, people may be noticing that I sound more sultry than usual tonight, and that's because it's it's very sultry. (laughs) It's very late, and I'm trying not to be loud inside of the house because everybody's sleeping. It's, uh, I got into a like brief discussion with Pete the other day because I was using the word sultry and I was really trying to use like a different word and it was a similar sounding word, but sultry is like very sexual in nature and was not my intent. And I love that you just randomly used it now. Uh... Today has been, as we're recording this, today has been the live stream for Pokemon Sword and Shield. Do you know about this, Spencer? Uh, I not only know about this, but I hate it. <laughs> it is, yeah, so if you're out of the loop, so, so first of all, the major loop, Pokemon has new games coming out. They're called Sword and Shield, and they're less than two months away. And it's very exciting. They have, however, not revealed like a ton of Pokemon. I mean, it's not a small number, but it's very few. Like, I think there's only one Pokemon that we know that evolves that we've also seen its evolution. Aside from like, you know, Farfetch'd has existed for a long time and he evolves now. And so that's different. But like of the new Pokemon, I don't think we've seen any evolution lines outside of that one grass type. And... There's a pretty decent handful of new Pokemon that have been revealed, but uh, it seems like they're really keeping it close to the chest, and uh, a lot of people are waiting on the starter evolutions, and so today, just a couple of days ago, as you guys are listening to this, and presumably with some of the information revealed being, uh, you know, clarified by the Pokemon company once this live stream thing is over, they're doing this, like... There's these like nature cams that are kind of popular these days where there's just a camera in an area where animals and nature and stuff are happening. And so you can watch it and sometimes animals will wander by and do animal shit. And so the Pokemon company decided that one of their like hype train slash reveals of a new thing is going to be that. And so... They have this nature cam for 24 hours. It's a live stream, uh, which is not, I mean, it's not. (laughs) First of all, it's definitely a video (laughs) that they planned, but it's made to be like an animal, like a nature live stream. And as such, it is largely nothing happening. (laughs) There's also (laughs) these two bushes that will shake periodically. But from what I can tell... Nothing has ever happened when they shake. It's just a red herring. (laughs) And then, like, there are a few Pokemon that have shown up periodically. And there's a new Pokemon. And it looks like there's actually a couple of new Pokemon that are related to each other. Everybody right now is thinking that it is a Galarian form Ponyta line, which is very exciting. But it keeps, like, showing up on the edges behind some shit. So you can only see a little bit of it. Or when it walks out into frame... There's this new Pokemon called Impidimp that gets in the way so you can't see the whole thing. And it's so frustrating. (laughs) 
It's just like, this is a cool idea, but the execution is like a little bit too accurate to nature streams where largely nothing is happening for like a video game promotional tool. And it's been frustrating. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like complete ridiculous. It is ridiculous, especially the amount of time I've given to it. So (laughs) this has been your entire 24 hours. I have been refreshing the uh, Reddit mega thread for live updates and Sarabee.net and almost nothing changes most of the time. And (laughs) when like the once the like what we believe to be the Galarian ponies came around there have been like long stretches where nothing happened and then it was like the thing showed up again and sniffed at the camera but it was like in the foreground to the extent that you couldn't really see it (laughs) it's just like it's clever but it's also 24 hours and there's so little happening during that time. And when the like new information that we're really here for happens, they're fucking hiding it. So it feels like this like fuck you tease. It's really mm-hmm. frustrating. Yeah. It sounds like they just decided that they wanted to be complete monsters. <laughs> yeah. Um also in meta news, it's really late. <laughs> we were gonna record earlier and it just didn't work out. And then we didn't think we could record together, so I was planning to do a solo episode, and then you were like, no, we could record late. And then you were like, I'm going to bed. And I was like, I was about to call you. (laughs) So that's the situation right now. Yeah, I might be more slap happy than I usually am. Yeah, I think you're going to be pretty slap happy. A little quieter, too. Yeah. So, anyways, how long this is going to take us. Yeah. In other news, um, instead of the uh, the anime world, um, uh, we uh, are, I guess, not watching the same things at all right now. Um, you and me. But, yeah. But no. I, I wanted to have a, a quick conversation about what the hell Netflix thinks that they're doing. <laughs> sure. What's going on? Okay. So I got onto Netflix and... One of the things that they keep on trying to get me to do is trying to get me to watch anime that I do not want to watch. And they, they suggest it to, they suggest like the same three shows to me just over and over and over again. And I'm like, I'm like, you're not going to get me to watch these shows because I hate them. And I wish that there was a button on Netflix that was like, please stop showing me these terrible anime titles yeah you could try like giving them the thumbs down rating and seeing if netflix backs off a little bit but i think netflix their algorithm for anime like the it seems to be how a lot of people who don't really know anime and have sort of like a uh an ill-informed opinion of it based off of the sort of like cultural ideas around anime and the people who watch it which are tend to be unfavorable and i would say pretty unfairly unfavorable given most people are pretty normal and not weird in the degree that anime kind of like makes people accuse anime fans of being um and so there's this like weird thing where people who don't really watch or enjoy or get anime lump anime together as like a genre in the way that comedy is a genre whereas anime is actually more of like a super genre or like a a lens through which other genres are explored like there are comedy and horror and action anime and they have very different styles and there are you know action comedies and different types of action stories and like hunter x hunter is really similar to naruto but in a lot of ways also very different even though they are Mm -hmm. kind of both in the same genre and anime is not a genre from that standpoint, because it's like, um, I'm coming up with an, the example of superheroes, which is a kind of good metaphor. Superheroes tend to be a little bit more homogenous than anime, but in general, a superhero story just has to do with people that have, you know, sci-fi powers 
and the stories can go different ways. Like you can get Jessica Jones, which is really just a detective story. You can do the Avengers, which is a big damn superhero story. You can have Watchmen, which is a lot more contemplative and really eschews a lot of the things of the genre. There I go saying it's a genre, but like it's really more of a super genre because you can do horror or comedy or action or whatever on in the the realm of superheroes in the same way you can do it with anime. So to get back to Netflix, I think Netflix considers anime to be a genre instead of the actual genre of the specific anime they're talking about. And so they're just like, you watched this animated show. Here's one other one. And maybe it's similar. It's not. So the ones that I want to point out are two that I have talked about before. And if Netflix is listening, which I know that they are. They definitely are listening. They're 100% with us. I don't want to watch Neo Yokio. Now, I don't want to watch Neo Yokio in the future. I I do, because I have heard terrible things, and I want to watch the train crash myself. I just, I just don't, I just don't think it's good. And I, I tried it, and I hate it. And here's the other one, and I don't know if this is going to be an unpopular opinion among the people that listen to our show, um, because I assume that some people that listen to our show um, enjoy giant spectacle fighting anime that is just ridiculous, crashing things into each other over and over again. But I enjoyed the original Fate saga, the very first one. I enjoyed it. Every fate since then has been terrible. I actually and way more CGI than I wanted. <laughs> I actually just listened to an episode of our show, like episode thirteen or something, where you were talking about watching a fate series and how good it was. Oh yeah, so. the original fate series is fantastic. But the ones afterwards are terrible. And it's just like they were like, you know, we did well the first time. Let's do the same thing, yeah. except the little bit different and more CGI. And it's just like, no, don't, please don't do that. <laughs> we know that Netflix is listening because they heard that episode where you talked about Fate Zero. And they were like, well, if you liked that, no. we're going to give don't you like some more. I don't like Fate Zero. Or whatever Fate it was. Zero is, Fate Stay Night is the first one. And it's very good. Look, and I don't remember what you Zero were talking is, about. It's terrible. There's like one of one of the fights is literally just like a, a cannon barrage of like these different swords that are flying out of nowhere from this character that can summon all the weapons from all the times, I guess, and shoot them at somebody else. And that's what they're doing. And so just, it's just like it's it's just like too much. Ten ten. It's like one. Oh yeah, it, everybody hates <laughs> ten ten. <laughs> Meta. <laughs> Britta, are you being meta? Anyways, that being said, uh, I just had a bone to pick with Netflix because I was looking at that as I was about to go to sleep and I was just like, stop fucking m- trying to make me watch Neo Yokio. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Stop trying to make Fetch happen, Gretchen. <laughs> On the, uh, oh yeah, yesterday was uh, Mean Girls Day, October 3rd. So I did indeed watch it. So I'm yeah. glad you brought that up too. Also, uh, speaking of being suggested things to watch, Fire Force looks amazing. Crunchyroll oh advertised God. it at me while I was watching the episodes for this week. It looks so, so fucking good. good, and I haven't watched it's it fantastic. yet. It looks so good. It's really, really good. Anyways, that being said, we have episodes actually to talk about instead of just shooting the shit for like 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so it's Hunter x Hunter week. Um, or Hunter Hunter for you, easily offended out there. And so what is Hunter x Hunter? It's a story about a world <laughs> in which there are hunters. It's and I a came story up, about a world <laughs> I came in up, which there is a place. <laughs> <laughs> I came up with a really good metaphor for hunters the other day while I was listening to one of our older episodes, and I forgot it. So... Uh, well, I'm so glad you you set us up so that you could tell us that we couldn't get the thing until it was a payoff. Yeah, I just wanted you to know that it existed at one point. 
I'd be proud of me. Yeah. So, uh, so hunters are, they, there's people that have to pass this hunter exam, which is very grueling and literally life-threatening. And so it's kind of only the best of the best become hunters. And then there's a second secret exam when they learn about, you know, their super cool anime powers that let them do super cool anime fighting techniques or not fighting techniques, as is often the case in this show. And uh, so our main heroes started the story not as hunters, but they spent the first arc of the story becoming hunters and have since then done huntery things around the world. The main, main character is a kid named Gon. He is 12. He is um, very energetic, very optimistic. That has been shaken a little bit these days because he's been through some shit. They, uh, but he, he's usually he's usually that. And uh, his best friend is Killua, who's a little bit more of the pessimist. He grew up in a family of assassins who kind of emotionally abused him throughout his youth. And so he is sort of cynical, but he's also the sort of strong, silent type matched up against Gon's more exuberant personality. They became immediate best friends during the Hunter exam and have been inseparable ever since. And uh, they have been traveling around looking for Gon's dad, who left him as a baby with his with Gon's aunt or something. I don't remember. And uh, the Gon's basically like, I want to meet my dad and figure out what is so great about being a hunter that he would leave his kid. But like, not in a negative way, like what's so great about it, but like, it must be amazing if it's worth leaving your kid behind to go do it. So I want to become one and then I want to meet him and, you know, have him talk to me about it. And so he's on this journey to find his dad and Killua is on this journey to be best friends with him. They recently met up with, uh, his dad's, uh, former student a guy named kite they went into this area of the world where um, technology is forbidden and that area of the world was also attacked by this crazy species of creature called chimera ants which in their base state look just like regular ants but when they eat something they give birth to the next generation of ants that have the features of that thing they ate and so they have this sort of like iterative, fast-paced evolution, and they started eating people. And now they have all grown into giant humanoid animal-type things with uh, ant-like appendages. And uh, recently, the king of the chimera ants was born. Uh, up until that point, the queen was sort of gestating the king, gave birth to the royal guard that would protect the king, and um, all of the other ants were kind of hunting the humans in the nearby area to feed to themselves and the queen. Um, during that time, they found out that some humans have special extra power, which is Nen, which is this universe's um, you know life energy that lets them do cool anime stuff. Um, that made a lot of them get their own nan abilities. Then the king was born. He immediately was a total dick to everyone around him, did not care at all about any of the ants that weren't his three royal guard members, and left with those three to go do his own thing. So everybody else decided to fuck off on their own and try to become their own kings or queens and spread out across the world. Um, so the king's on his journey with the royal guards, the other ants are kind of scattering. Gon and Killua were involved, but then Kite was attacked and had them run away. Gon and Killua believe, well, Gon believes that Kite is still alive and needs to be rescued. We, the audience, know what Killua believes, which is that Kite was killed. And there are a couple of other strong hunters that have gone into the region that they had to evacuate to see if they can deal with the ants and get Kite back while Gon and Killua have been left behind because they most recently were found unable to beat the people they needed to beat in order to go on that trip too. Uh, one of the people who did not go on that trip is a woman named Palm, who is going to be really upset with them for not having succeeded, and they are going to have to face her in episode 93. Yeah, this <sighs> is episode 93, Date X with X Palm. This episode is fucking fantastic. 
It's so for so many reasons. Weird. <laughs> so I was good. so uncomfortable. Okay, so here's the thing. So first and foremost, we're gonna have a little bit of a throwaway story where um, the king is gonna go with his uh, his royal guard to take over the entire palace of this like horrible dictator. It's and, like, East Gorto, and I think it's a play on North Korea. Yeah, and like. It's very silly, and, like, my favorite part about it is, like, this horrible, fat, ugly dictator guy is, like, watching these women just, like, dance around in circles, but very quietly. Uh At one point, he gets a phone call, and the women have clearly stopped mid-performance, like, he pushed pause on a DVD. It's so funny to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is not... I would... I'll say it's not a throwaway story. It's just set up to the rest of the story that's not going to happen at all for the rest of the episodes that we're talking about today. Yeah, so, don't worry about it. He's going to he's the king is going to come in. He's going to murder everyone, every human there. Um and he he doesn't care about anyone. He makes this comment that was very upsetting where he's just like Humans don't uh, listen to cattle or pigs before they slaughter them to listen to their cries. And it's just like, oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah, and that is the answer that he gave to a woman who was begging for her life. Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty messed up, but it's a pretty quick scene. And, like, really what you need to know is that the king, when we last saw him, was with his royal guard kind of looking for a base of operations. When they stumble upon this dude's palace, they have now found it. Um, they also, the other thing is that, um, he kills the, the like emperor of East Gorto and then, um, Neferpitu, one of his Royal guard, her ability is basically like puppeteering corpses. And so she asks that his corpse not be like eaten or mutilated so that she can use it. And we will see later in these episodes that they are using that to puppet this guy and order the people of this like region that he's the emperor of to come to his palace so that the chimera ants can turn them into basically farm animals. Yeah, it's really fucked up. Meanwhile, we have a charming story about a very young boy going on a date with a much older woman. It's <laughs> so Palm as we have learned, I don't know that we've talked about her a lot on our show. Mm-hmm. So if you've been listening to our show and not watching the episodes, you might not really know her. She's really, she has a strange design with like a lot of like hair kind of scraggly and unkempt all over. She's intentionally designed to be creepy. And she is kind of one of these weird anime tropes. That's really uncomfortable in the way that like, fan service is uncomfortable to me where it's just like a little unrealistic and a little bit treating women poorly. So Mm -hmm. she's the trope of a woman who has, whose whole life is in a unhealthy obsession with a specific person. She is specifically obsessed with one of the other hunters who has gone into the region to deal with the Chimera ants she has spent this whole time wanting to go there too and i don't remember exactly why but basically if gone and Killua don't make the cut she won't be able to go either she is also super murdery and the other part of this trope which is actually pretty common the obsession the murderiness and then the last aspect which is that every fucking thing she says sounds like a woman on the verge of orgasm and it is so uncomfortable when she speaks, which I know we've addressed on our show before, but all of those things create the perfect storm of this really awkward character. So Gon and Killua know that she's going to be upset that they did not make the cut and are not going to go into this region. And they know that she might kill them because she's basically been threatening to do that for a while now. Instead, she asks gone to go on a date with her she is 22 and he's 12 and this is pretty much not brought up except by Killua and gone privately later and they like brush it off and it's so weird yeah the 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 charming part about it is that gone is going to be a 
a perfect gentleman the entire date. He is going to he is going to get her a gift. He's going to take her on this like nice dinner and this long walk to this weird tree that's in the middle of a lake. Don't worry about it. We'll talk about it. Um, and at the same time, she is actually going to be like a, a normal woman in this. But my favorite part about this is like the like not not so not super subtle like love triangle that's happening between Killua and Palm and gone <laughs> because Killua is like number one jealous because like gone talks about it he's like yeah I used to go on dates with these women that would come in from the sea to Whale Island and Killua's just like are you saying that you're experienced <laughs> Gon's like I took him on dates. I had those, that experience. And then, like, every time that she's having a good time, you see Killua getting, like, more and more upset. And I'm just like, I think Killua is in love with Gon. <laughs> yeah, you could easily read that into it. With the, the explicit actual reason that he's so upset is that basically Killua's going through his own shit right now. Um, so when Gon lost his fight that he needed to win in order to go after the Chimera Ants... The consequence of that was that his Nen abilities have been sealed for 30 days, so he is mostly powerless to defend himself. Killua is now his appointed bodyguard, basically. I think largely self-appointed, or at least I don't think he's explicitly said to Gon that he's doing that, even if it's kind of apparent. Killua also was recently told by his former mentor that he they didn't call him a coward, but they basically said that he has a self-preservation instinct that causes him to always be looking for an out in fights and to escape if he believes that a fight is unwinnable. Uh, One of the consequences of this is that they suggest that he could win some of those fights if he just stopped looking for an out and focused himself more on the battle. But the other thing was they said, like, one day you are going to leave Gone to die because of this you know, streak of cowardice that you have. So Killua is really struggling internally with this. He has also decided that because of this, it is the correct thing to do to leave gone now when his life is not on the line. So Killua is basically waiting until gone's nan abilities come back and then planning to leave him forever for his own good. So he's got a lot going on. Yeah. Well, the other thing that Killua is going to do is that as he's following them on this date, he's going to start to notice that there's a chimera ant that has been following him, um, and he is going to break off so that he can take care of this and finally find his courage to fight against whatever is following against him. It turns out that the per- the thing that has been following, the chimera ant that's been following it, is Ramit. Um, you'll remember him from uh, being the worst, most obnoxious chimera ant of all time. Um, he, I think he's, I think he's, he's the first one to get nan abilities too. So he is. Yeah, important. he's he's the rabbit bird monster that, uh, that that chases them around and is just the most obnoxious. But takes one punch and then. Uh, you know, completely falls into pieces, which is going to be, again, what is going to happen to him this time, except for it's going to stick. Um, so uh, Killua is not able to fight, and the reasoning why is that he keeps on getting, he keeps on getting his, like, brother in his head, and you'll remember his brother from earlier in the show is a very, very, very powerful assassin, um, and one of the things that he does is he sticks needles into his own face and to other people's faces, and then one of the things that it does is it allows him to control them and to control the way that the people look. And it turns out, and we find this out because Killua is getting his ass beaten by Ramit because he won't fight back. And the reason he won't fight back is because he hears his brother saying over and over and over again in his head, that, like, you have to run away. You yeah, basically, fight. you have to run away. You can't fight. Right. It's basically an, a, a fight that he has decided that he cannot win. And so he all of his instincts say that he should run away, but he is fighting them because he knows that if he runs away, Ramat might get gone. In fact, Ramat has explicitly stated that, stated that he would like to get to gone. Yeah, but Killua is going to all of a sudden jam his fingers into his forehead 
and then disappear right before Raymond slams into him to kill him. Um, and it turns out that one of these little mind control needles had been put into his head under his skin um, by his brother at some point, and it was just like feeding him this information. Um, and he has this moment where he's just like, he's just like, that was a good joke, bro. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's what families of assassins do. They yeah. they play they play funny joke, yeah. His I family like jokes. fucking sucks. <laughs> Anyways, uh it's gonna basically take away like his cowardice streak that was inside of him that he thought was his instincts that were programmed into him, but it turns out it was an actual piece of you know, virus tech inside of his head. Yeah. Um I was really he's, frustrated with this. I didn't remember this. His and... body is a microchip, Blake. <laughs> Stop pooping. <laughs> so, uh, oh my god, I... the microchip has been compromised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just bummed about this because I one, I did not see the needle. I guess I was taking a note or something, and I missed that part where he explicitly said that it was one of his brother's needles and or showed it to us. So Mm -hmm. I thought he just stabbed himself in the forehead and pulled something out that I couldn't see. And I couldn't tell if it was a metaphor or not, but I really wanted it to be a metaphor because I wanted this to be a character thing where he had had this self-preservation instinct drilled into him from a very young age and his like love of gone platonic or not (laughs) is allowing him to overcome it. And while that's still technically true, he did not flee when all of his instincts were telling him to because of gone. And he, you know, finally realized that he was being partly mind controlled because of this situation. Whereas if he had just followed his instincts, he probably wouldn't have like, it still fits, but it just didn't land for me as well. If it's literally him pulling his fears out of himself instead of like having a character moment. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of bummed about it. Whatever. It's going to lead to an awesome moment where, uh, Ramit is just like, uh, he's just like, I, I don't think that I'm going to be able to fight against whatever this is in front of me now. And Killa was just like, I need you to take a message back to your people. And he's like, I'm not going to do anything for you. And he's like, okay. And then he just rips off his head and he's just like, if you don't want to tell him, I'll kill you. Yeah, I definitely thought Ramat was alive for a while and had completely forgotten this whole situation. And I remember like when we were watching some of those earlier episodes where he just first starts to get Nen, I was like, what does he do during that like last arc? Because I remember several of the ants doing different things. And the reason I couldn't remember is because he fucking dies. <laughs> yeah, this leads into episode 94, Friend X and X Journey. Um, Gone is going to be very adult and he is going to tell Palm that he cannot date her very often, um, or at all really, because he needs to focus on his training. This is going to turn Palm back into like crazy mode. Yeah. And like one of my favorite moments of this is he like has this very heartfelt speech that he says to her and then he goes over to her and he goes like, Palm, do you understand? And she turns around and she just goes, What? <laughs> <laughs> It's also so weird because he's a 12-year-old kid. She's 22. And he's just, like, sitting there like, I just can't give you what you need in your relationship. And it's like, yeah, no fucking shit. Like, come on. It's so weird. They just, like, they completely play it straight. And in fairness, they do play a little bit of comedy. Like, later on... Uh, Palm is going to want to... So, okay, so what the episode is going to lead to is that Killua realizes that Palm has now reverted back into a more murdery state. So he goes and gets Gon to leave with him and flee from Palm to get away from her. He doesn't get Gon to leave with him. He literally picks him up and he runs away with him like he's a suitcase. That's true. (laughs) And so Palm is pissed and covers herself in a dress made of knives and is going to go and super murder them. But then the other plot line that we haven't mentioned yet, which is that the people from Chimera Antsville are coming back I with kite. Put on a dress of knives. Yes. 
she's like she's like straight up like knife ball choji right now (laughs) (laughs) it's yeah it's that so all the people who went into the it's called the ngl i've been avoiding it because i didn't realize i would have to bring it up this much the ngl is the region where the chimera ants are so all the group that went into the ngl with the exception of the chairman of the hunters association who's off doing his own thing they're going to come back to this town where Gon and Killua are because they have found Kite and they're going to bring him back and I guess show him to them. I don't really understand their motivations here, but uh, they call and warn the kids that they will be back in three days. That was a trick because they're actually back in one day and they're going to spend the other two days observing the kids to see if they are in a state to see the state that Kite is in. Um, Uh so this collides with Palm while she's wearing her dress made of knives about to leave the house and go try and super murder Killua. Uh, one of the guys, uh, whose name I thought I wrote down. Nav. His name is Nav. It is. Yes. Yeah. He's also going to be, he's also going to be like one of the, the funniest things that Palm does inside of the show is that whenever Nov is on the screen, he, he he reminds Palm that like the ability that she had used before is that she can look into like this crystal ball and use some of her blood to um to see where people are. So she has this a very very powerful technique, but it requires a like a payment in blood. And he reminds her that like she should only use this technique when he orders her to because her blood is very, very precious and it should only be used at his discretion. And she's just like, yes, this is what I want. I, I am only beholden to you, Nav. And then every single time we see Nav on screen afterwards, Palm will be somewhere in the background. With black <laughs> hearts flying up out of her. One of my favorite ones is when they just, they talk about Nav and like, it shows a picture of him in the background. And they're like, "We're gonna team up with Kai. We're gonna team up with uh with Shoot and Nav." And like Nav appears, and then just like very, very subtly in the background, she's like way back in the background. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny, yeah. Because so her obsession is with Nav. So when he shows up, like she's not really in love with Gon. It's just her projecting her feelings, I guess, for Nav in a really uncomfortable way, but uh, she does it, and now he's back, and that is the only thing she cares about. And uh, so it it kind of resolves itself. Um, They then spend the next few days, uh, it's Nov and his apprentice Shoot are going to watch over Gon and Killua to see if they are willing, or if they are in a proper mental state to meet Kite and see what has become of him. Meanwhile, uh, the chimera ants that spread out all over the place, one of them is Chitu, who looks like a humanoid cheetah and is very fast. He is going to encounter the other two members of the NGL team, Morel and Knuckle, and that's going to start us in 95. Yeah, so episode 95, Grudge, uh, Grudge and X and X Dread Man reading right now. Um, You've actually, like... (laughs) swapped the ands and the x's so you like say and multiple times but just x i think you said grudge and x and dread (laughs) perfect okay so um this is gonna give this is gonna give way to my i think he might legitimately have my favorite power of anybody inside of this universe morale Um, morale is fantastic he is a he is a um, a smoke user is what I want to I want to call him. Um, his ability is to uh, create this big giant puff of smoke that can travel around him, and he can change it into different forms. Um, mostly, he can like you know just turn it into like different uh, different people and make it look like them, or he can create a smoke screen. Basically, whatever he can do with smoke, he can do. Um, and it's one of those things that like isn't really used inside of this world enough. We're going to see him fight with it a couple of times, um, one of which is one of my favorite Hunter x Hunter fights of all time um, when he's fighting in the city. You, we'll talk about it later. But anyways, um, 
And uh, he uses this in tandem with Knuckle so that Knuckle can land a blow on Chitu because Chitu is so fast that they can't they they can't move fast enough to hit Chitu without uh, uh, tricking him. Um, and so there's this moment where they're they're getting run around by Chitu, but he's getting surrounded by smoke. And a bunch of Knuckles are going to jump out at the same time. One of them is real. The other one are shadow clones. I mean, smoke clones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Knuckle is full Naruto-ing right now. He um, really, really is. Yeah. But he does land a punch on Chitu. And then Chitu wants to run away because he's like, I don't understand what's happening. There's a weird flying baby that's following me around now. And... As we know from before, that is the uh, the interest fairy that follows you around. That is the math level. lesson that interrupts a whole episode, but it's back now. <laughs> <laughs> and like one of my favorite parts about it is they're like, we can we can easily find him now because we have this tracker on him. And he's like, doesn't it fade if you get far enough away? And he was like, well, it doesn't add interest, but it's never going to leave you alone no matter what. And so I had this moment where I was just like, does that mean that everyone that Knuckle has ever punched just has this obnoxious little interest fairy <laughs> following them around the rest I of the I mean, lives? if they got away from him, yes. But if you, if, it, if you go bankrupt, then it turns into the thing that Gon has, and then you have 30 days, and then it goes away. Yeah, but that's not the thing. Knuckle is like, if it's far enough away from me, it doesn't add interest. So that that's means what I'm saying. Has... If he's been close enough to you to keep adding interest to the point that it erupts, then it'll go away after 30 days later. But well, here's the, here's the other terrible range... thing about Nen techniques that we've learned from the show is that Nen techniques don't always wear off even if the, the Nen user dies. Oh, yeah. So, like, this might just be there might be people walking around all over this planet that have just been like bumped into by knuckle and he accidentally <laughs> used his ability on him <laughs> and they're just like i don't know what this is but every once in a while i catch it out of the corner of my eye this weird floating baby that has math in the middle of his body <laughs> um Anyways. so they uh, they pretty much beat Chitu by just being more skilled than he is and him being a little overconfident. Um, then we're going to see Gon and Killua have a reunion with Kite, and it is upsetting. Yeah, it's it's really, really upsetting. So we find out that, that Kite has been brought home inside of one of Shoot's abilities, which is Shoot can lock. Um, if he does a lot of damage to somebody, he can lock away parts of them or the entire person. If he's damaged them enough inside of this little bird cage that he carries along with him, he reveals that they've beaten the Christ out of Kite and brought him back, but he is not himself. Um, Kite is completely broken, it seems, and covered in scars and doesn't really know what's happening and does not respond like a normal human would. Um, and the rest of the Nin users, they can see that this, that Kite is actually being controlled by Neferpitu's ability, but Gon can't. And Gon is, is still doesn't have his Nin abilities yet. Well, so you can't, is, it doesn't appear unless you touch the person. Cause they said that at, well, some, at one point. Yeah, they say that, but then also they can see the big giant Neferpitu thing that's controlling the man inside of the other country. So That's true. Yeah, so anyways, um, your point is invalidated. <laughs> I'm um, just saying I'm, they explicitly stated that in the episode. Yeah, but I think, I think that the reason why they say that, though, is because you can see it even if you have, don't have Nen abilities, if you touch the person. That makes sense. Which is why Gon can see it at the very end and he gets very upset. Because Gon is going to take a whole bunch of punishment because Kite, this like zombie version of Kite, is going to attack anything that comes close to him. And Gon just predicts his attack because they're very like robotic and staged over and over and over again. And he, because he predicts this, he's able to get in close to Kite and he holds him and he tells them that it's okay. And he sees this thing that's being controlled and he gets very, very upset. And they go and they're like, well, we're going to go back and you can come along with us, uh, uh, Gon and Killua. 
And then Morel is just like, I don't trust it. Gone. You need to show me that you really understand understand that where we're going is a place that you need to fully commit to. And we've been training over these past couple of days uh, or like months that they've been training for um, because they do like a little bit of a time skip to get to the very end of Gon's, you know, cat that's following him around. Um, So he can't use his net ability. (laughs) Yeah, it's the end of the 30 days. Yeah. So he's like, he's like, you need to show me that you really, really mean what you're going to do out there. And so Gon shows this first moment of him like, really breaking loose and completely giving in to what he wants to do inside of this fight. And it's so scary to Morel that before he can shoot off his punch into Morel, um, uh, Killua has to like walk over and calm Gon down because otherwise Gon was just going to straight up murder Morel. Yeah. And he, he has explicitly like had this sort of character change a little bit where, when he saw the thing floating over Kite and controlling him, he doesn't say... So up until this point, Gon has been... has believed and has frequently stated out outright that Kite is still alive and is in need of their help. Kite has been killed and is being controlled as a corpse puppet. And they don't say that Gon has realized this or accepted it, but even if he doesn't have that explicit acceptance he has come to a new understanding of kite's situation and his motivation has changed from we need to find rescue and help kite to i need to find the person who did this to kite and fuck them up real hard yeah and it's a really great moment yeah it's gonna be his driving force but you can see it in his eyes the way that it's changed and it's a look that you don't really see from him and it's it's pretty impressive how well they convey that with the animation. Yeah, that is going to lead into a completely um, different couple of episodes. Well, episodes- so the the last setup is that the East Gorto leader is going to appear on television and tell everybody to come to see him at his home, and the uh, chairman of the Hunter Association, Netero tells their whole crew that they need to stop this before that happens and they have basically 10 days in order to do that okay so this is going to lead into episode 96 and 97 i grouped them together because i i know that we do this sometimes but this is a legitimate one episode 96 is called ax lawless x home and then the episode 97 is carnage x and x devastation um the biggest reason I wanted to mention this, that we're going to like take a moment to just really let it sink into you that you should watch these two episodes. If you never watch any episodes of this and instead you just really love cool, badass fights, you should just find these two episodes and watch them because you get to watch your favorite Phantom Troop characters just kill things for sport. Yeah, they, these episodes are so weird. I have talked many times about how Hunter x Hunter is a great show that frustrates me a lot because what I like shown what I like anime to be is a shonen series that has cool characters using cool abilities to have cool fights. And Hunter x Hunter has cool characters using cool abilities to have long conversations about why they're not going to fight each other. And plots that build up to a confrontation that is then resolved in a non-fighting way. And rarely is rarely do they actually reach the kind of climax that you expect them to reach. And often, even when they do, there is some other kind of subversion. It's just whatever it is about the way the guy that writes this writes it, he just tends to write himself out of it. And it's really interesting because, yeah, not everything has to be solved with fighting but it's also really frustrating because it is a shonen anime and I want everything to be solved with fighting and I want those fights to be awesome. And the show does a really good job of preparing characters that have cool fights and sort of getting you hyped for those battles and then not delivering on that hype. And these two episodes are all of the hype with none of the preparation and it's pretty fun. 
Yeah, they. I think they're they're really fun. Actually, you also you don't need to know anything about the show. Like, you don't need to know who the Phantom Troop is. None of who the characters are is super important. There's a little bit of lingo about Nen that's kind of not explained, but you can sort of deduce what's going on. You might be confused about who these monstrous people are, but like pretty much, I think you could sight unseen watch episode 96 and 97 and fully out of context, have a pretty good time without feeling too confused. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. I'm just going to give you the characters that you're going to see inside of this episode, uh, these two episodes, and you can kind of, we'll, we'll talk about each one of their fights as it matters because they are going to go into um, one of the Chimera ants who has decided that she is going to be the queen of this place. The reason that they are protecting Meteor City is because that's where they are from, and they decided that they are going to take care of where they they come from. Uh, Meteor City is basically just like a it's a it's a city that's full of garbage, and people have to wear like gas masks and stuff to live. I don't know why you would want to live there, but it's like it's where. A- Yeah, they described it in the Phantom Troop arc as basically like they are a country of people who have been like expelled from their previous lives. For whatever reason, they have been displaced and this is a sort of a gathering place of people who have been displaced and they've created their own community here. Yes. Anyways. (laughs) So, um... The the fights kind of in order. Um, you're going to you're going to be introduced to each one of them. Um, so uh, the first one is going to be um, his, his name is difficult. It's um, Bono Lenov Nildongo. Um, he is a very weird character who is this guy that has like these big boxing gloves and he's covered in bandages and his his ability is badass. So he comes from this like tribe of uh, people from like this ostensibly like the Amazon River Basin, um, but like that doesn't exist in this world. So take it or leave it. But these people like they make holes in their bodies, and then when they fight, they use these holes to like create sound like waves, like they're the human instrument. And one of the things that they talk about is like the more beautiful the music that you make when you fight, the more you're considered to be like a god among your people. And he uses this in tandem with Nen so that he can like create this weird effect on this fish piranha monster that he's fighting. It's a chimera ant, but it looks like a fish piranha monster. Yeah, it's Um, a throwaway enemy so that we can see him kick his ass. It's so awesome. Um, so the first thing that he's going to do is that it's the sound that he makes from his body from just moving around. It makes it very difficult for you to focus. And one of this character that he's fighting against is just like, I can't, I can't keep it together. I can't figure out what's happening. So I'm just going to run away. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so he, he like does this amazing ability where he like, um, flies up into the air and uses his Nen plus this sound wave that he's creating to create like it. He turns around and it looks like the, the actual planet Jupiter just coming down to smash him. And then after he smashes him, he's just like killed an ant by crushing it. What a well way to die as an insect. <laughs> it was pretty badass. So yep. then we're going to go to Mr. Windup. Oh yeah. Finks. His last name is Mag Cub, by the way. I'm learning this right now. He also wears a Sphinx helmet sometimes for some reason. (laughs) I know. I love this character so much. I think he, like, legitimately, he's, I've seen him in, like, three different outfits inside of the show. I think he's just, like, fashionable, and he wears the things that he steals sometimes. Yeah, he Um, just. Whatever. He follows his heart. That's what he does. He's just going to love who he's going to (laughs) love. Yeah. Which is oh funny God. because like they, he's like, uh, it's not like homophobic at the end, but like his character kind of like chafes at somebody saying that he's acting feminine at the end. So I like that you said that because sort of like <laughs> plays into his insecurities about that later on. Yeah, he's he's great. Anyways, um, he's gonna fight against this character. Um, that doesn't matter. It's one of the Chimera ants. Um, yeah. who looks like a weird 
chimera hybrid thing, whatever. He doesn't matter at all. He's like a minotaur monster. So, (laughs) so, um, so his ability is that if he swings his arm around over and over again, it will charge up his punch. And then if he does it a certain amount of times, it will become more and more powerful. So it becomes like, you know, it releases more Nen, I guess. Um, but it's, it's really just kind of like, it's, it's a less Kamehameha version of Gon's technique. Um, I like it a lot, but it also isn't really super impressive. But no, it would suck if it were on a character that wasn't as interesting as him because it would feel really boring and derivative. But he is really interesting, so it feels like a fun addition. And the way they use it is fun, where he's like, he punches the dude that he's fighting, and then the ant is like, you call that a punch? That was some weak shit. And he's like, uh, uh, the the guys the 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 ant that he's fighting is like you your punch is so weak that I'm gonna give you a free hit before I kill you, and he's like okay well I think fifteen will do it and he winds up his arm fifteen times while counting, and the other the ant just becomes like more and more upset because he realizes that maybe he has miscalculated, and then he punches him and the ant basically just explodes it's like a scene from One Punch Man. He just demolishes the guy. <laughs> and then at the end, he's like, nah, I probably could have gone for about half the strength. I never can get the number right. Yeah. Um, then we're going to have a full-on Super Saiyan moment where uh, Shalnark oh, is yeah. going to fight against this. Uh, so Shalnark's ability, if you remember from the Phantom Jury arc, is that he can uh, inject his uh, this little pin into a, any living thing and control it. Um, and he does that with this little remote control that he carries along with him. Well, he is being attacked by this um, this chimera ant, and he stabs his needle into the chimera ant, and he thinks that he has control. It turns out that this other chimera ant is actually getting, being remote controlled by another chimera ant, which is great. But yeah, and Shelnark, there are rules if you are a type that controls minds, you have to do first come first served. Yeah, one of my favorite things though is that Shelnark has a secondary ability, which is that he can stab himself and go into autopilot mode, and which means he just turns into a Super Saiyan. Like, yeah, straight up, his on. hair goes up, like, as Super Saiyan mode, and, like, he just explodes this thing, this thing that's holding him from behind. And he just No, like, it's awesome, because the thing has him, like, locked in its arms, and the, the ant that's controlling him is like, slice him up, or whatever, and then the, the thing's arms just, like, explode... And are not there anymore. And then Shalnar kicks off from the ant's stomach, which then explodes from the force of him kicking off. <laughs> it's so cool. And then he like reverts back to normal and he's like, I hate doing that shit because I can never remember what I did and it doesn't feel like I earned it. <laughs> and then he also is just like, he's also like, also I have to go full out no matter what if I'm on autopilot mode. So I always end up with like two or three sore muscles. <laughs> It's really great. It's also, I thought it was a really clever character motivation for him to not, like, he's so powerful and he doesn't use it, like, ever. And basically, he has a really good character motivation. I mean, it's like a silly shonen character idea of, like, I want to win a fight and remember it. Like, it's more important to enjoy the fight than it is to just, like, guarantee a victory. And that's very, like, you know, characters in anime kind of thing. But, like, it's a good character motivation. Like, in-universe, it makes a lot of sense. He wouldn't want to use that ability a lot. And so it makes sense that he doesn't. And it doesn't feel cheap to me. Yeah. Okay. Then we have um, uh, Kaluto Zolduck. Um, you'll recognize that last name because it is Killua's last name. Um, she is uh, one of the assassins uh, that is part of the family of assassins that goes by the last name Zolduck. Um, and uh, she has a great ability that she can use like um, little pieces of paper um, in, in, in tandem with a fan um, to, to basically like point um, and use like these little pieces of paper to slice through things. Um, it's a, it's a cool like mix of, you know, it should be weak, but it turns out to be strong abilities. Yeah. She's um, really similar to that, uh, character from Naruto. 
<laughs> yeah, but we're not going to get to that character forever. For a long time, um, yeah. But here's the thing. Go, so Killua's sister was there, and I... I apparently forgot a lot of stuff about these episodes, but I super forgot that. Like, there is an arc at the end of the show that is about Killua's sister, and she is, one, wildly different from this, even though it is the same character. He has two sisters. Huh? He has two sisters. No, it's her. It's Kalata. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I might be wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll get there. Um, I guess we'll find out in arrears, but I think it's the same character. Either way, I did not remember her being there. And I was just like, what? How does she get back? I don't know. I guess maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. If I'm wrong, tweet at us and let me know. Because uh, it's going to be a while before we get to those episodes and I'm not going to look it up. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, she is going to she is going to completely murder this thing that she that she's fighting against. Then we're going to get to your fan service of the episode and also your creepy bastard of the episode. Um, Shizuku Murasaki um, is going to be the character that is a um, a kind of mousy looking girl that fights with a um, a vacuum cleaner called Blinky. Um, she is also like, uh, secretly super buxom and, uh, they put her in her underwear because they need to, I guess. Um, and she is going to be fighting against, uh, this horrible, horribly designed spider chimera ant. Yeah. We've actually seen him before and he was terrible last time and he's He's just like, he's so gross and he's like very sexualized and it's like this. He's also like a balding old man that is, is like really yeah. perverted. It's perverted old man trip mixed with, uh, with um, like giving stereotypical LGBT traits to a villainous character. Like it's a lot of uncomfortable things that lead up. They all add up to a character that's just a, a fucking pain to watch. Yeah. But this time we get to watch him be killed, so it's kind of okay. <laughs> yeah. So he's going to take a bunch of hits uh, from Blinky, and then Blinky is going to show off the, the badass ability of being able to uh, know a thing that it needs to absorb, and then it will absorb all of that thing that it, it can pull it directly from anywhere. Um, it gets a taste for um, the ant's blood, and so it pulls out all of the ant's blood from the different holes in its body where it has been hit, and it dies... Um, there is yeah, a funny she, moment where she punctures it, the holes at some point. So it's not like able to just suck it out no matter what, but, uh, yeah, it, it works. Yeah. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Let's get on to the best moment, yeah. which is going to be Faytan Porter. Um, Faytan is his last name is P O R T O R. Um, okay. so, Faytan is a fantastic character that you know nothing about until you start watching these fights. Um, he fights with an umbrella, and inside of the umbrella is a sword. He also has at the end of the umbrella a a bullet a projectile that can shoot out. Um, he is going to fight against this would-be queen of ants that is trying to take over this area um, by fighting with a sword until she changes her form, and then she becomes much stronger, and like she... She like has iron skin. She does a full can't... on Carnage Kabuto. Yeah. And she she like knocks Feitan back so hard that it looks like it breaks one of his arms. And so Feitan's just like he gets upset. And as soon as he gets upset, all of the other fandom troop members are like, We need to leave. And then the Soul Dog sister is like, Why? And they're like, We need we need to go right now. <laughs> yeah, she's been having an internal struggle where she has realized that she is wildly outclassed by these people and uh is very upset because I guess her she had aspersions to become like the second in command of the Phantom Troop and now realizes that she has a long way to go before she's strong enough to do that. And then they're like, we have to get out of here because the last time Feitan became angry like this, he attacked everything around him and it's very dangerous. Yeah, and it specifically specifically, Finks is just like, the last time I turned around to look, I literally almost died. Yeah. <laughs> so it turns out that one uh, that Feitan's ability is that if he gets upset, it creates fuel. 
and this fuel turns into fuel for a fire. And it's also fire, if he gets injured too. Yeah, well, it's both. So his fuel is his fuel is however much you condition and upset him, it adds fuel to the fire of his ability, and that in that fuel to his fire of his ability, um, uh, it turns into a gigantic sun that appears above them. And it is so sweltering that it literally burns the skin off of this chimera ant's body, but not fast enough because it's not hot enough to kill her very, like, immediately. And so Phaetan, like, walks over her, and he's like, you should have hit me harder. It would have been a faster death for you. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty dope. Also, there's, like, an explosion of fire, and the Phantom Troop have run away down the tunnels, but the fire like almost hits them and they have to dive out of the way too because it's so powerful. And I think it blows the top off the Citadel where they're fighting. Yeah, it's great. Anyways, the Phantom Troop is going to be like, well, we did it and bye. And that's the end of the episode. Let's go home for ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> and they got into their A-team van and drove off. I don't know the theme song of the A-team. Okay, stick with us. We'll be back for something. (laughs) Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions. With sound editing done by Rashad English of Plain English Productions. He's our level six sound wizard. Level up. Our podcast is ad-free and we want to keep it that way. If you want to keep it that way too, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash get jumped. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New episodes come out every Sunday. On iTunes. Google Play. Stitcher. Buzzsprout. Or wherever you get your podcasts from. And hey, thanks for listening. Next time on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're watching Naruto episodes 118 to 122. Where we learn that you can't always put your brother on your back, but you can never put your brother in your back unless you have an ability where you can put your brother in your back. (laughs) When you said it to me before we did the official recording, it made sense. That was just fucking gibberish. It's 2.30 in the morning, y'all. It's a good episode. Good episode.